Hello, church leaders. Welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, a podcast that takes the perplexity out of being a church leader. This week, we're answering the question, what can you do to make your worship services more guest-friendly? I'm your host, Becky Holton, and I'm joined once again by my handsome co-host, Carrie Holton. Hi, babe. (laughs) This is an interesting topic, I think. I'm glad we're talking about it because, you know, making the weekend worship services more guest-friendly is important. But why don't we begin by talking about why we're talking about this and why it's even important? Sure. Well, you know, by the way, I guess in this podcast, we're just assuming that most of our people, most of our listeners understand right. that it is important. It's an assumption. It, it is important to to make our worship services guest-friendly. We're just going to assume that people understand that, right? that people have the mind of Christ. Right. But, you know, we've been saying for weeks that this is an opportunity for the church to have a reset. Right. That now that churches are opening up, they may discover more guests coming to their worship assemblies. We hope that is the case. People who are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives following this year-long crisis that we've been involved in. Right, right. And on that score, listeners, let me tell you about a news story that came across our desks a few weeks ago, and it was written by Erica Pandy. I think that's how you say her last name. I think she is, isn't she one of the ones that's with the online news outlets that I'm not sure which one it is. But anyway, the story was entitled The Great Resignation. Upwards of 40% of workers are thinking about quitting their jobs. Wow. Headline. That's that's some headline. <laughs> and maybe some of you listeners saw that headline, and it was such an interesting story. The author said that companies that made it through the pandemic in one piece now have a major massive new problem because more than a quarter of their employees may leave right a quarter that that is something yeah and if i remember right the reporter said that what is happening is that workers have had more than a year to reconsider work life balance or their career path yes it's a good thing and as the world opens back up many of them will give their two weeks notice and make those changes that they've been dreaming about. So, the Great Resignation, that's what economists are dubbing it. And surveys show anywhere from 25 to upwards of 40% of workers are thinking about quitting their jobs. And I'm sure, listeners, that you've noticed when you're out and about how many businesses have a looking-to-hire signs out. They're just, it looks to me like every business has that sign out. It sure does. It's incredible. But this article went on to say that experts are saying that a number of colliding trends are driving this resignation boom. In fact, the University of Michigan economist Betsy Stevenson said this, quote, people have had a little more space to ask themselves, is this really what I want to be doing? end of quote. So some are deciding that they want to work fewer hours. And I think a lot more are just wondering if they want more flexibility to create more time for family or hobbies. You know, a lot of people have been able to office at home. It has been so much more flexibility. I think others are considering just switching 
careers absolutely entirely right. with the thinking process they've been through. And I'm sure our listeners um, by now are beginning to wonder what in the wide, wide world this has to do with the Effective Church Leaders <laughs> podcast, why we're talking about this. I'm sure that's true. Well, well, let's try to bring it home then. Okay, bring it home, baby. <laughs> let's, think about, let's think about this. Because of the pandemic, people have been reminded of the truth that life is short. Absolutely. Really too short. Fragile. So sociologists among us are saying that as a result, people are rethinking what they want to do, how they want to spend their time, and so forth. And they are considering career changes, as we have said, and they are thinking then, what other parts of my life do I want to change? Right. What this means is that this might present for us both an opportunity and a warning to churches and church leaders. For example... If people are not happy with their church, if they don't feel their church is healthy, they might decide to make a change. So this would be a warning to church leaders to get on the ball. Right. But, you know, hon, on the other hand, this is a fantastic opportunity. People are looking for a change. They're looking for answers. They're looking for solutions to their problems. And the church should be the source to help provide a lot of those answers and solutions. I mean, that's the purpose of the church is to help people on this earth be more like Jesus. Exactly right. And as we said, then this could be a perfect time for a reset. Yes. And it sounds like the culture in which we live is also seeing the pandemic as providing something of a philosophical reset. So Mm -hmm. churches ought to see this as a time to reset, to make a fresh start. You know, uh, that triggers a thought. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and the podcaster was calling this a cultural convulsion, Hmm. which I thought was a really good word. He was predicting we probably have a couple more years of this convulsing Mm -hmm. of trying to find our way and reset and figure new things out. Mm -hmm. So with more people looking for answers and solutions to this cultural convulsion, (laughs) we, we might be seeing more guests in our weekend worship assembly. Um, So it's really important that we're ready for that opportunity of having more guests. So How can church leaders make their worship services more guest-friendly? That's a good question. And finally, we're coming to the point of this podcast. We went around Robin Hood's (laughs) barn. Who is Robin and where was his hood and why did he have a barn? I've always wondered about this. All good questions anyway. (laughs) Okay, so we want want to talk about how to make worship services more guest-friendly. Here's the number one. Well, here's the first suggestion. We would encourage church leaders and church members to just place themselves in the shoes of their guests. Mm. So put yourself in their shoes. What are they thinking as they come through your doors? What are they feeling? How would they want to be treated? And by the way, this might not be so hard to do since each one of us has visited churches that were new or unfamiliar to us. Maybe we were on vacation Uh, We were going through a community, and we wanted to find a church with whom we could worship. I think we just need to recall what was going through our mind at those times. How does it really feel to be a guest in an unfamiliar worship place? Yes, and tagging into that first suggestion, we would offer number two, is that one of the things we must understand is that guests don't want to be embarrassed. They do not want to be put on the spot. So suggestion number two is don't do anything that puts them on the spot or embarrasses them. 
And I would encourage church leaders to ask people that are a little more timid or introverted what puts them on the spot and what's embarrassing to them. Um, that's a hard decision sometimes when you're used to going in the same doors every Sunday or whenever you go. It's comfortable. It's relaxing. You know the people. You know where the restrooms are. You don't have to even hardly introduce yourself to anyone. It's hard sometimes for church leaders to put themselves in the shoes of a new person and to think about, well, there's nothing here that can embarrass anybody. Oh, but there is. Sure. And I think look to the people that might be a little quieter among you By the way, that's over half of your congregation because the church tends to be built around extroverts and more than half of your people there are going to be more introverted, more timid. Let them tell you what can be embarrassing because people do not want to be embarrassed or have a spotlight put on them. So just think about that. That's just a respectful thing to do. Sure. So let's think about what Mm -hmm. might embarrass Guests. And if you're just super comfortable where you are, you're going to need to ask that question to somebody else. Of course. That's a good point. All right. Well, let's offer this suggestion number three then. One suggestion, for example, would be to not ask them to stand or mm-hmm. to raise their hand or in any way force them to identify themselves as guests. Absolutely. Well, and I, I'm, I just keep thinking about that. I I have experiences going through my mind of places that we've been and we're, you know, we've been to a lot of churches, but there's places I thought I would die and just crawl under a pew (laughs) uh, because of how I felt. And I'm sure most of us have visited a church and someone said, if you're visiting with us today, we want you to stand so we can recognize you. Oh, that just... (laughs) Just makes me sit chills up your spine. I'm just sweating over here thinking about that. Or if you're visiting with us today, would you raise your hand? We have a packet of information that we would like to uh, give you and point you out and put a spotlight on you and make you want to die on your. No, not really. They don't say that. They are well intentioned. Sure. And they think that giving that perspective other people can look around like they always do to see who's raising their hand and who's still breathing after that that comment but i think there's that's just probably not the best way to identify guests agreed most people do not want that so in fact our third suggestion to make your worship services more guest friendly is to allow your guests to take the first step toward acknowledging their presence okay all right i like that let them for example give them the option to text the words i'm new to a certain number a lot more churches are doing something like that good you know i like that recommendation to let them volunteer the information they want to provide put them in the driver's seat yes yes Uh, don't ask them for that information especially if they're on their very first visit right there's a newer a newer safety concern we just need to be more aware of that these days we had a hilarious experience well it's hilarious now it was not uh, hilarious when we attended someplace and you did not put our contact information because we didn't know where we were or where it would go and you kind of got reprimanded for not doing that by a church leader well, by the way i don't think we've been back to that church have we hon well you would really. have gone by yourself because <laughs> I wouldn't go back. We haven't had opportunity to go We're back, but it did leave a sour taste oh in our mouths. Well, we didn't know where that information was going, and sometimes it's not. It it just goes to a place that you need you need to be able to manage your own contact information, and that's respectful to allow people oh, to I like do that. that. What's respectful to the guests? Yes, we ought to yes. think about that too. Mm-hmm. 
Well, moving on, another suggestion is that we need to explain what we're doing and provide any needed instructions. Okay. This is an attempt to prepare guests for what's about to happen. And it also continues to tag in to let's just not embarrass people, make them feel like they are just totally embarrassed and don't know what's getting ready to happen. And, you know, the explanation doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out one that someone gives every week. It might be something that could just be included in the opening where someone says, we're going to sing, and you're welcome to join in or not. We are going to hear a message from God's Word, and we're also going to participate in what we call the Lord's Supper or Communion. Right. Just something very simple, but it lets people know what's coming at them. Give people some advance notice of what's about to happen. Okay. You know, I think I've even noticed that some churches even explain the Lord's Supper just before the church communes together. And I mean by that, they even give instructions on how to access the bread and the cup thanks to the pandemic. You know, you you receive this cup, you tear off the first layer that gets you to the bread, then you tear off the tear off the next layer and it gets a uh, well, layer it gets you to the juice. Uh, talk yeah. about instructions. Well, you hate to get angry trying to take the Lord's Supper. Have you ever tried to open one of those things? <laughs> I promise you, you need a chainsaw if you don't know what that thing, what you're supposed to do with that thing. So it's a little counterproductive if you just need a little instruction of of how to do that. So give people the instructions you think they need to hear so that they will know what's coming and they won't be embarrassed. I like that. Yeah, the point here is that you might want to do some preparing so that guests are not totally in the dark about what's going on. I mean, you talk about making feel like an outsider. That'll do it. And we all like just a little advance notice uh, when possible. I just think all of us do better if we just have some knowledge. Okay, let's move on to recommendation number five. And that would be try to limit your use of insider language. Insider language. Now, I guess we're going to really need to think about this. What terms are known and understood by insiders that outsiders would not understand? What religious language might be familiar to us, but certainly would not be familiar to those on the outside? I'm thinking about some of those big words in the Bible right now that we have come to know the meaning of, like righteousness and sanctification and holy, holiness. You know, there are a lot of words in the Bible that if we've been students of the Bible for some time, we know the meaning of them. Right. But outsiders, especially unreligious outsiders, they wouldn't have a clue what those words mean. So we need to be careful about our use of insider language. What do you think? 100% 100% agree. Okay. And even new Christians, they can be discouraged by hearing, they'll, you know, but especially new people that are trying just to find a place where they can get some help with some of their concerns, their their questions, their anxieties, their worries. And if they hear a bunch of words ripped off either from the sermon or the Lord's Supper talk or in songs or just someone who is kind of emceeing the morning, they're going to say to themselves or there are other people with them, what in the world did they just say? Mm-hmm. I can't even understand the words that are coming out of their mouth. How's that going to even <laughs> help me right. with my issues and with what I'm looking for? So this is not watering down the gospel, by the way. It is communicating it where people can understand right. it. Right, right. So in this suggestion, we're just asking church leaders to give some thought to what they can do to reduce the use of insider language. Right. Our suggestion along this line, you limit the announcements of insider news. Okay. 
this isn't kind of a new twist on what you're just saying. I think many churches have announcements where they talk about babies that are born, people sick and in the hospital, deaths, all the events that are coming up, etc. And these announcements are important and noteworthy, of course, but perhaps there's a better way of making the church aware of these items rather than taking up five to 15 minutes by verbally announcing them in the assembly. Right. And of course, those announcements could very easily be printed, for example. Right. I mean, they could still be made available to the church so that people who need to know them know them. But I think the point here is that outsiders don't know these people that we're talking about. I mean, all of this is information that is extraneous to them, that that is unfamiliar to them, and that they really don't need to know. The verbal announcements then would mean nothing to outsiders. And what we're just saying here is there probably is a better way to get that information out to the church than forcing outsiders to listen to it on a Sunday morning. You know, I think we can look at this one from both sides. I think there's a safety piece for church members. I think we're telling information about church leaders to possibly some strangers and the information is a, is about a vulnerable place that people might be in on. So I think that needs to be communicated to the church members. So there's a safety piece. On the other side, I think church leaders typically announce this information as a way to communicate. They believe it also is communicating, hey, we're family here. We, sure. Um, we, we take care of each other. And we're busy. We got all these great programs. Don't you want to be a part of it? I think... Many church leaders may think that about all these announcements, but I think by and large, outsiders are going to think, how in the world can I ever find my way in to all of that? Could be. Could be. You're saying that when we take 5 to 10 to 15 minutes to announce this this intimate information, that they may think, since they're outside, they may think, I could never be a part of this family. Is that what you're saying? I think that's part of it. Okay. They, they feel very much on the outside. Okay. And let me ask you another question. You remember times that we've been invited to people's homes? This would be years ago. And they would show us all their vacation pictures and all their families and all the people that they had met. And, you know, part of that, you were squelching yawns because you didn't know these people and it didn't matter to you. And it felt sometimes like a time drain. Right. We loved our friends, of course, and we were interested in those things. But in some ways, it's like all of the family information that if people are there really searching for God and they're searching for how Jesus can make a difference in their life, this will feel like a time drain for them. And it may be really hard for them to hear all that at that point. The information is important. We're just suggesting communicated in a different way. Right. You're not saying now, are you, that people are not interested in seeing pictures of our grandchildren, are you? Well, of course not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do we need to put some in the show notes? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got your point. I think that's a good point. Well, how about a seventh suggestion? Let's talk about number seven. And that would just be put your best foot forward. Again, I think if we put ourselves in the shoes of outsiders, we're thinking, okay, do these people, talking about the church now, do these people know what they're doing? Are they doing it well? Is there an emphasis on quality? Does this service have any appeal for me? Will it help me through the week? Is it helpful? So again, I just think if we're going to make our services more guest-friendly, we need to consider how we might make those services the very best 
they can possibly be. Agreed. Okay? Yes, absolutely. Put your best foot forward. Absolutely. And do what you do with the mind that your weekend worship services are not just for your people. They're for people that you don't know yet that are looking for Jesus. How will they hear Jesus by what you do and don't do? Again, you're trying to make the gospel of Jesus attractive to people. Yes. And and that must mean uh, that the one who gives the sermon, for example, or the message of the day, he'll need to give some consideration to what, what should be said, mm-hmm. how it should be said. It might also mean that you'll want to give some attention and some thought to who leads the prayers and who makes the comments before the Lord's table mm-hmm. and who greets the church. You'll just want to put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I hope I hope it makes sense to our listeners. Yeah, we're we're encouraging uh, church leaders to create a spirit of hospitality, mm-hmm. and that goes in with number eight. Our, our last suggestion is be friendly without being pushy. Okay, I like that too. Um, again, guests may want to remain more anonymous. Many of them, anyway, I think will, but they also want people to be friendly. You know, right? You don't want to just go somewhere where you're ignored, but yet, on the other hand, you don't want to be bombarded and feel like you're being interrogated. And I think a tuned-in greeter, someone whose uh, task or responsibility is to stand by the door and welcome people, a tuned-in greeter can tell if a person is giving out signals that they want more anonymity or if they want more information and more conversation. Good. And go with the message that they're sending. Because if you give the other message, it's disrespectful, and you may not see them again. Good. Well, I do think you're right. There is there is a need for us to be friendly while also allowing our guests to be anonymous if they choose to be. Well, and again, how do you feel when you visit a church and no one says hello? We've had that experience. Oh yeah. It's not pretty. And, you know, no one greets you. No one even, even smiles when they see you. You don't like that feeling that, you know, you get this feeling no one cares that I'm here. Would you agree with that? Absolutely right. Sure. Yeah, well, let's wrap this up. How about some closing thoughts? I'm sure you have some. I always have closing thoughts. Yes, you do. I think in this podcast, we're just trying to say, let's just give thought to how we can design our assemblies to reach people. Amen. To reach outsiders. And by the way, someone just wrote a journal article or a journal post about this. I think that was me, wasn't it? Well, I was just getting ready to say it was just one fine post. (laughs) Folks can go to our website and read that post. But the point here is that we really do need to do some planning, some thinking about what goes into those worship services and how what goes into those services will be received by guests. We're just saying let's discard our haphazard assemblies and give thought to how we might reach more people, even people who don't yet know Jesus. It's got to go way beyond we've got the slot filled. (laughs) It's got to go way beyond that. We've got to move to a place where 
we're really giving so much thought and so much prayer, not just about what's done, but how it's done and how it's communicated to people that are searching for Jesus. Thanks, friends, for listening in on our conversation. And we hope you heard some things today that inspire you or have motivated you or just are helpful to you. This is the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer support to church leaders who want to become more informed, more confident, and more effective in their service to the Lord. 